Wow. What a message in song, amen? I want to ask you if you take your Bibles, if you turn to 1 Thessalonians. Look over at the fourth chapter, if you, if you will, today, and, and that's where our text will be from. As the Apostle Paul was writing to a church that he so dearly loved. I was reading this morning the entire letter to the Thessalonians, and, and it's just amazing the, the love. You could tell that when Paul spoke to these people, he just, he just adored them. And, and um, they had encouraged him, but, but he had encouraged them so much. And, but, and, and he was just, he was just wanting to share with them a word. And you know, he said these words as, as we look at the beginning of our text, and, and, and I'll, we'll, we'll stand and read it in, the mo- in just a moment. But he said these words, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know what Jesus Christ has for you. And that, that should be the desire of each of us believers is knowing everything that our Lord Jesus Christ has for us. That, that's our passion as, as your pastors and, and, and those who teach is to, to, that we not be, be not informed because there's so much more for those who know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that this message today will, will speak to you and will just stir your hearts and mind, even as we, as, we, um, as we look at this together. So I just want us to take a moment, and I want us to all stand as we read God's Word together. As Paul was writing the thir- church of Thessalonica. And obviously, that as he was writing them, and he was speaking to them, of just encouraging them on, on their faithfulness in the Lord, but... Apparently, there's been some misconception about what about those people who's died before Jesus has come back? Because, folks, they lived each and every day as if Jesus would come back that day. Paul did. And there was questions, though, that were floating around, and there was a lot of teachings that were apparently wrong. And Paul was just trying to instruct them on them to, to encourage them. And look what he says in verse 3. Of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Folks, is that sad or is that not sad? As, as you sorrow as others who have what? No hope. No hope. But then he says, for if we believe that Jesus died and he rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall, we shall always be with the Lord. And then he says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. Let's pray. Now, Father, as we come this morning, I just pray that, that Lord, that you'd take this word, that you would apply it 
in our hearts. And God, that, that through these words, dear Father, that, that we'll not have to sorrow as, as those who have no hope. But God, that we might recognize that, that what Jesus Christ has accomplished as he lived and he died for our sins, he was buried and he rose again on that third day. But then, oh Lord, that he is coming again. And I just pray this morning that, that God, that you would just bless our time. God, that your word would be applied to our hearts. That God, that it would encourage us and strengthen us. And then, God, that it would prepare us to live each day, each day, dear Father, looking for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's his precious name I pray. Amen and amen. Again, I just read to you, um, I've just shared with you that some of the most encouraging words in all Scripture and, and, and that wonderful song, living he loved me, dying, he saved me, buried he, carried my sins far away, rising he justified. And then one day he's coming, oh glorious day. If you could just grab hold of that and begin to recognize that no matter where you are within your life, no matter what you've went through in your life, there's a Jesus who loved you so much that he died for your sins. He took those sins away. This is my note bearer right here. And folks, he's coming again. And I'm just excited about that. And I want to share these words with you today so that, for, for, for first of all, that maybe if you're going through that time, that you can find hope. Maybe you might be living your, li living your life recklessly, not realizing that Jesus may come back even today. And realizing that, folks, when he comes back, he's coming back with a purpose. Did you realize that one of the major themes that throughout all, the script, all of Scripture is the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? As a matter of fact, it, it, it flows throughout the Old Testament as well as the, the New Testament, and it's one of the, the stated themes, the main themes in all of the Word of God. And when I think about that, I just think about some of the, the words that we find in the New Testament. The, 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 a passage that I, I probably use more in, in the word of encouragement to people is, is a passage that Jesus Christ himself wrote. Jesus Christ himself spoke on the very night before he was crucified. It was Jesus Christ who said these words. Let not your heart be troubled. If any heart should have been troubled, it should have been Jesus Christ. He knew that, that in a few hours that he would face the cross. He knew that he'd be rejected by man. That he knew that he would be abused. But Jesus Christ was not thinking about himself. He was thinking about his disciples. He was thinking about you and me when he said these words in John, the 14th chapter, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled, but you believe in God, believe also in me. He says, in my Father's house are many mansions, many dwelling places. He says, if it were not so, I would not have told you. He says, I'm not kidding you. But then he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, he made a very definitive statement. He says, I will come again to receive you unto myself that, that, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus Christ was cutting it right to the chest. He, he was not speaking in parables. He was not speaking of imagery. He was speaking in a very definitive way that I'm going to come back and receive my people into myself one day so that wherever I'm going to be, they're going to be also. Isn't that amazing? And Jesus Christ spoke many times 
of his return. But then also the, we find that within the apostles that we've already spoken about that, that there was a major theme of the, of the apostles and the apostle Paul is, is when Jesus Christ comes again. Did you realize even the angels proclaimed it? I love it when Jesus Christ had risen today again. He'd lived, he'd lived for, for 50 days. And Jesus was standing and, and, and he was about to ascend into heaven and, and the apostles were watching him and he was ascending into heaven in the clouds. And they were probably just standing there with their mouths open and thinking, what are we going to do now? And then, Jesus, and then the angel spoke to them in Acts, the first chapter, when he says, And he had spoken those things, and when he was taken up in a cloud, he received out of sight. And while they looked steadfastly, while the, the apostles looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why do you stand there gazing into heaven? This same Jesus which was taken up from from you into heaven shall come again in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And so we absolutely see the word of God filled. I was reading an article by by Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite pastors and teachers, when when he he was just given some, some, some idea just how packed the word is with the second coming and 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 he says one out of every 30 verses in the bible mentions the subject of christ's return or the end of time one out of 30 and of the 260 16 chapters in the new testament there are well over 300 references to the return of christ 23 out of the 27 new testament books mention christ's return and it was in the Old Testament, men such as, as Job, Moses, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, as well as the minor prophets spoke of the return of Christ. And again, Christ spoke often about his return. And so therefore, when you see something that's emphasized over and over and over and over and over again, you need to listen because it's an important part of what Christ had to say. But the question must be, why is he going to turn? What is the big deal about it? Why, what is the purpose? And the Apostle Paul began to, to, to address this to his, to his people that they might find that, that word of encouragement. But I think one of the first things we have to understand that when Jesus Christ comes, he comes for the purpose. Number one, he said he's coming to claim his own. You remember what Jesus said? And if I go again, I will come again and re- so that I might receive you unto myself. Jesus Christ is coming back for his people. The Apostle Paul spoke of that when he spoke to the church at Thessalonica. What about those who have already died? Which one of those have already fallen asleep? They were wondering, are they going to be left behind? And Paul says, No. Christ is going to come back for all of his people, whether they're dead or whether they're alive at his coming. He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord will by no means precede them or prevent them 
which sleep in Jesus Christ. For I, for we say unto you that by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord will, I'm sorry, when I mean precede them, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus is coming back to receive us unto himself. I cannot think of this when about an, a situation that happened in my life when I was mm, eight or nine years old. No, I grew up, I, I grew up um, cowboying. My daddy was a cattleman, and um, when I was a young man, we had them all over the northern part of the county. As a matter of fact, there weren't many fences up in what we call um, the Penhook Swamp or, or, or Soakum or um, Devil's Flat and Saw. Um, um, Flats and saucers, cups and saucers, I'm sorry. And, and we, we, we had cattle right, ranging all over there. And the, and the way that we would do that is, is we'd get up before morning, way before daylight. Daddy would spot where the cattle were. Then we'd bring the truck and we'd bring the dogs in. We'd unload. And, and, and cattle dogs are a lot much what you think of shepherd dogs. That they are, They're called to, to kind of go ahead and, and, and round the cows up, and we'd catch up with them on the horses. And I was eight or nine years old, and imagine this is, this is just big, big country. It still is out there. And um, I had a little horse named Champ, and he was a little smaller than the rest of them. And, I, and Daddy always got on me about lollygagging around anyhow, you know. And, um, and, and, and when they began a roundup, I mean, it was every man just as fast as they could on their horses to go and get ahead of those cows. Well, I got behind and got lost. And then trying to find my way out, and all you see is pine trees, I walked that horse for, for an hour. And then I began to realize I started seeing the same trees over and over again. <laughs> now, I was eight or nine years old, and um, I didn't know what to do. I can think back today, but it, it had to be the Lord looking over me because he gave me enough sense. I just got off my horse, and I sat down by a tree. And folks, there was hundreds of thousands of acres out there. And could you imagine what was going through my dad's heart once he finally realized? Because it took, it took them a while before realizing I was, not even, I was not even there because they were busy rounding up the cows and everything. And then I'm sure when they started counting head, Johnny was gone. Daddy probably saw, thought something right at first, you know, before he, he, he began to, I'm sure, get concerned where his boy was. And I was just sitting out by a tree. But how do you communicate out in woods like that? That was long before cell phones or, or you know, and, and, and we wouldn't have had any radio. And, and even if you had that, it wouldn't have worked way out there. But the way they communicated, when, when they began to get separated out there, they would holler. I don't know if any of you, they, they would just, oh, you, you, you just hear them holler. Because that was a way of, of, of communicating. And for some reason, even as an eight or nine year old, I, for some reason I wasn't that afraid. Because I knew my daddy was going to come back and find me. And later as I sat there, I heard way off in the distance my daddy hollering like he, only he could holler. 
And then, I, you know, as, as far as I could do, I'd holler back to him until finally we found each other or he found me. And I don't know why, but I think about that even as a child that was lost in the woods, I had so much peace because I knew my daddy was coming back to get me. And folks, we as believers should have that much peace that no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, no matter how dire our situation may be, we have a Lord and Savior that's coming back. And one day we're going to hear the trumpet, we're going to hear the voice of the archangel, and he's going to come back and receive us into ourselves. Folks, that's a glorious day. Our Lord is coming back to receive those on. Why was Daddy coming looking for me? Because I was his child. And he was wanting to make his son, sure his child was okay. You see, and that is one thing that I have to drive home to you. Who is he coming back for? He's coming back for those who are his. And if you're here today, and you don't know Jesus Christ, if you can't, be a, you can't claim yourself to be a part of that family, today needs to be the day of your salvation. That you can be a part of his, whom he's coming back for one day. But first of all, Jesus is coming back to receive those that are his unto himself. He's also coming back again that he can, he can reign as the king of kings. This is one of the great confusions of the Jewish people that, that when Jesus Christ came the first time, he came not as a king, he came as a servant, a suffering servant. Isaiah spoke of that very clearly in Isaiah 52 and 53. But it was very hard for the Jewish people to, to think that, that, that the Messiah would come as a servant. But that's why he came the first time to serve you and me. He came to wash our feet if it was necessary. He came to die for our sins, which was necessary. But folks, when Jesus Christ comes again, he, he's not going to be wearing those servant robes. He's going to be wearing the robes of a king. And he's going to come back to reign in heaven and in earth. I think it's very interesting, the Apostle Paul, when he was talking about that, when, that, that we need to be with the same mind of Christ who... That although he is in the form of God, he, he emptied himself and he made himself a servant. But because of he made himself a servant, he says when he comes again, it says that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Even those who have rejected him on this, on this earth will one day confess him as the Lord of lords and the King of kings. This is why I warn you, dear friend, today, if you scoff at the, the idea of Jesus Christ and, 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 and push him away because you don't need anyone to lead your life, one day Jesus is coming again and he is going to rule and you're going to bow your knee to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As a matter of fact, when When the Bible teaches us in Matthew, the 25th chapter, it says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and the holy angels with him, he shall sit upon his throne in glory. 
And with that same type of mind, that not only is, is Jesus Christ coming back to be the King of Kings, but he's also coming back to be the righteous judge. And who will he judge? Paul writes in, in, in 2 Timothy 4.1, when he was speaking to Timothy, he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead. That when Jesus Christ comes back again, he's going to judge every single one of us. Whether you be living when he returns or whether you've already died. And, and every one of us. Now, I know that so through so much of our teachings that we, we, we can break up all the judgments. We get confused of the, of the judgment seat of Christ. We get confused of the great white throne judgments. And I, I'm not here to preach on them. I'm, I'm here to remind you today. It doesn't matter, dear friend. Every one of us will be standing before the judge Jesus Christ one day. I had a professor teach us one day that there were so many ideas about the second coming of Jesus Christ and, and when it was going to happen and what was, how, how it was all going to look. He, he said, let me, let me just tell you guys, there's two things you need to know. Jesus is coming again, and you better be ready. He says that's, that's two things you can nail down that you need to be absolutely sure of is that Jesus is coming again, and you better be ready. Because, folks, when he comes, he's going to judge the living and the dead. The Apostle Paul calls him the righteous judge. And the Bible speaks of him in, in Revelation with it, that when, when there's a picture, of, and John sees him in that great picture, that there's, there's eyes of fire, which that he can burn through every excuse, that he can look right into our soul. Can you imagine that, standing before the righteous judge one day? Can you imagine one day that, that the Bible teaches us that, that we're not going to be um, judged for every word that we said, but we're going to be judged for every idle word that we didn't say? Now, I don't know about you, but that terrifies me. To know that one day that my whole life is going to be peeled back and laid bare before the Lord Jesus Christ. He that knows all things, everything will be made known to him. Now that should affect us in a couple of ways. That First of all, that there should be a terror that runs between all of our hearts is because that we know that we're going to stand before a holy God and, and when we stand before the holy God, we're going to see for ourselves of how unholy we are. And folks, that's why we need a Savior. Because it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that, that we can be forgiven of our sins. And the Word of God teaches us that when we receive Christ as our Lord, that His, His blood will wash away all of our sins. And so we stand before the judge. All He will see is the blood of Christ. Mark forgiven. And if there's nothing else... That whole thought should drive me to Jesus Christ. The very one who died for my sins is the very one who's going to judge me for my sins one day. And if I ever have rejected that gift that he's given me of my salvation, he will reject me. Hmm. 
I'll always remember, and I've shared this with you before, but it always comes back when we speak about the second coming as years ago when Wanda Sue and I were first married and we were, we were um, beginning to grow in Christ and, and we'd, we'd went off to see a movie and I will not mention the name of the movie. I mean, um, it's quite popular, so I'm, I'm sure that many of you loaded up and went to see it too. And, but there was a scene and it was kind of risky. And I don't know why. But right at that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. What if Jesus would come right back right now? And folks, I had to leave that place. And like I said, I stepped right over a bunch of other churchgoers probably, you know, when I was leaving there. But what if my Jesus come back? And that's where I was. See, folks, that should drive some terror within our lives. It's funny how if somebody comes to our house unexpectedly, that sometimes there might be a shame that we not clean things up, or you know, you start throwing things around, or maybe things you didn't want them to see, you start pushing them all in the corner. But how much more important is when Jesus Christ comes to my house? And the thing about it, folks, he already knows what's there. See, Jesus is going to come back one day, and he's going to, he's going to judge me. And, and again, that, that should bring a terror. But you know what, 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 what else that does? It should also bring a great peace in my relationships. Because the very reason that Jesus is coming back and judge is because he's a holy God, and because he's a holy God, he must be a just God, and so therefore, he's going to make things all right one day. And so from the idea of, of, of the judgment of Jesus Christ, that I can, I, can, I can understand that because maybe if someone has offended me or someone has hurt me, I don't have to have vengeance, I don't have to have unforgiveness of that person, because I know that one day Jesus is going to make everything right. One day, Jesus, I don't need to judge that person. Jesus Christ will judge that person. And so I don't need to bear the, I don't need to bear the, the, um, the robe of a, 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 of a judge or a, an executioner. Jesus says the vengeance is mine. And so therefore, I can have the assurance in my relationships that if, if someone hurts me to the very deepest point, that I don't, I, don't have to, I don't have to judge that person. I don't have to hold a grudge because Jesus is going to take care of that one day. And he's the righteous judge. And so all of that anger that, that we carry around, all of that unforgiveness that we carry around, all of that wondering in my life, man, if, you know, um, folks, don't say you don't have that. That when someone hurts you, it's amazing how, how much of that will consume our mind. And thinking about, boy, you know, you'd think if I wasn't a Christian, I'd do this. You've already done that if you've done it in your thoughts. But you don't have to carry that weight because Jesus one day is going to come back and he's going to judge the living and the dead. The same line that you're in, that he, when he judges you, that person that hurts you, he, they're going to be in the same line. And so I can leave the vengeance to my Lord Jesus. But Jesus Christ is coming to receive us all and he's also coming again to be the king of kings, and he's also coming again to judge the living and the dead. But you know what he's also going to do? He's going to come back to finish what he started. 
He's coming back to make all things new. The Bible says in Revelation, he says these words, he says, and I saw a new heaven, and you may want to turn to this just a few pages back, Revelation 21. Let's look at the beauty of what happens. And after, after Christ has begin, had poured his wrath, and we find this in, in chapter 21. Let me just move down to verse 5 of Revelation. Well, I'm just I'm going, to, I'm, going to start, I'm going to start back in verse 1 of 20, chapter 21. Where John says these things, he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and there was no more sea. What, what he's saying here, what, Jesus is not coming back just to clean up the heaven and the earth. He's coming back to make a brand new heaven and earth. And then he says, and I, I John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven as God had prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. And behold, a loud voice from heaven said, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and their God. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes, for there shall be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying, and there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. All the heartache of this world is going to be gone. It's going to be gone. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write these things, write, write for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done, and I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give of the, give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. But he who overcomes shall inherit the things, that, and I will be his God, and he shall be my people. But then he gives a warning. He said, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murder, the sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with, with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The folks, we have to realize that when Jesus Christ comes, he is, he's coming to make all things new again. We get such a picture of heaven as we begin to, to read in, in Revelation, the 21st chapter and following. It, as you begin to read that, it reads very much like at the very beginning of the Bible when it speaks of the Garden of Eden. That when God created the, the, the heavens and the earth, he created them perfect, just like he was. And he had placed man within a perfect environment, and, and man could have relationship. Man, man had no shame between himself or with God. There was a tree of life there in the middle of the garden that man could eat freely of. But when man chose to rebel against God and sin, everything changed. Because when, when man rebelled against God, that through Adam, the Bible says we've all sinned. And every heartache, every pain, every sorrow, every tear that you have ever shed is because of sin within this world and or within yourself. But folks, when Jesus Christ comes again, that's all going to be done away with. And Jesus says, I'm not going to just clean this world up. I'm going to make it a brand new world. And the Bible says he's going to wipe away every tear out of every eye. Folks, is that good? 
that you'll not have to have a handkerchief in heaven. Amen. Isn't that good? Because there'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more sin. There won't be any hospital beds in heaven. There won't be any prayer for the sick in the heaven. Because there'll be no sick. Because when Jesus comes again, he's coming back to restore the heavens and the earth to the way that he created it in the first place. And folks, what type of joy is that? What type of hope is that? That I've got a new day coming. And how is that going to happen? What's the manner that, that when he returns, and, and, and the Apostle Paul speaks very, very specifically about that when he writes to the church of Thessalonica, because when he says these things, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven, that when Jesus Christ comes again, he's not going to send someone else to do his business. He himself is going to come in a personal manner. He's going to come personally. He himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And then the Bible says, and the dead in Christ shall rise again. Jesus himself is coming. He's going to come back vis visibly. Did you know the Bible says that when Jesus comes back that every eye is going to see him? Even those who have rejected him, the Bible says in Revelation, the first chapter, verse 7, he says, Behold, when he comes with a cloud, and every eye shall see him, and they which also pierced him, and, and, and all the kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. Isn't that amazing? Now, how is that going to happen? You, you know, you may want to sit here and log logically argue with me that, you know, how's the people, if he comes, if he comes and, you know, comes to America, how are the people in China going to sing, folks? I don't know that. You know, it's funny how people like to argue those types of things. Our God's a little bit bigger than that. Amen. The Bible says when he comes again that every eye is going to see him. Now, who in the world would have thought when they used to believe in, uh, in, in Revelation that it speaks about there's two prophets that's going to be killed in Jerusalem and all the world's going to see them rise again? Who would have ever thought of that a hundred years? But with TV, folks, everybody can see that now. And so when the Bible says when Jesus comes again that every eye is going to see him, even those who pierced him, even those who rejected him, even those who nailed him to the cross, they're going to see him. And because of that, all kinders are going to wail. Because this Jesus whom they've rejected, they see now eye to eye. You see, the, the return of Jesus Christ is going to, for, for those that are his, it's going to be a great day of joy. But for those who reject them, it's going to be a great, rejected him, it's going to be a great day of heartache. And so folks, that's what we have to decide. I mean, it's, it's what we do at this time that we have right now, whether we, whether we receive Christ and become one of his within this life or whether we reject him, the choice is yours. But when he comes again, he's going to receive those unto himself that are his, but those who have rejected him, who've pierced him, the Bible says they're going to well. But also, I think it's very, very interesting. Now listen to how the Apostle Paul writes these words. He's going to also come, it describes it as a thief in the night. He says in chapter 5, verse 2, I mean verse 1, he says, But it's concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, 
For you know yourselves perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Hmm. Now what does he mean by that, a thief in the night? Folks, thieves come at a time that you least expect them. Now if you expected them, you'd have your doors locked. If you ever had anything stolen from you, it was, it was, it was done at a time you weren't expecting it because they know that. And that's how it describes Jesus Christ is coming again. Matthew 24, 36 says, But the day of the Lord, but, but at that day in the Lord um, and the hour, no man knoweth, nor the angels of heaven, but my Father only. And so it's not something you're going to be able to plan yourself up for. It's not, you know, sometime that, you know, that uh, you've heard people, you know, with this type of idea, man, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to live like the devil, and then, you know, when I, when, and, and, then, and then one day I'll give my life to Christ. No, you're not going to do that. Because he's going to come at a time that you don't expect it. I think it's very interesting in, in Matthew 24 that, that goes over in the 25 that, that, that Jesus gives three parables back to back to back speaking about the unexpectancy of his return. First, he's speaking about a faithful servant and an unfaithful servant. And that when the master left them, that the faithful servant continued to do the things that, that, that the, faster, um, the, the, the master would desire the unfaithful servant. He says, you know what, he's not going to come back for a long time. I'll just, um, you know, I'll, I'll not follow all the rules. But then unexpectedly, the master came back. The next peril is, is about a, a group of, of is, is a group of virgins, where where that um, you know the idea is is, is when the, when the, when the groom, you know the groom would come unexpectedly during the time under Jewish Jewish culture. There there were five virgins that went and filled their their pots with oil, and they were ready. But there were other five virgins that were not ready. It's when the when the bridegroom came, five were left out. This speaks of, of, of the talents, the way how the master gave talents and, and, and gave different amounts of talents to different people. And, 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 but when he came back, he held them accountable for those talents. And so Jesus, to, to come and to speak the, the same idea, but in three different ways, that I'm going to come back at a time that's unexpected, and you, so you better be ready. It's driving home the point, dear friend, that we need to live in readiness. That we need to, to take care of the things we need to take care of today because we don't know what may hold this afternoon or tomorrow afternoon. That he's coming as a thief of the night, a time that's unexpected, but when he comes, he's going to also come quickly. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians. He says, In a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised uncorruptible, and we shall be changed. Folks, I don't know how fast you can measure the twinkle of the eye, but it's pretty quick. Basically, it says that when Jesus comes, you're not going to be able to, to pull everything together because it's already too late. And so today, as I close this message, 
I just want to re- you to realize that Jesus, folks, is coming again. The Bible is absolutely emphatic about it. He came first as a suffering servant to die for your sins, to be buried, to be risen again. But he's coming back again to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The question is, is when he comes back, will you be ready? The question is, have you you prepared yourself today to stand before the righteous judge? And I ask you today, why not now? For those of you that already know Jesus Christ, it should be a very great time of comfort. Some of you who have had and... and, um, Loved ones that go on before you that were in Christ to know that one day I'm going to be gathered back with them. What a peace that is. What a hope that is that no matter where you are, what you're going through today, that Jesus is coming back to make all things new. But some of you have never made that decision today. Some of you today, if, if, if Jesus, is, as he says, he comes at a thief at the night and and, and, and so that means unexpectedly he could come in the blink of an eye before we close the service out. What are you going to say before the righteous judge? Are you ready? Because so there, there, there'll be no time to get it all together then, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Will you know that you know that you're one of his. See, I kind of believe that when Jesus comes and he makes that shout, I believe he's going to call us all by name. You know how he went up to, to, to the tomb of Lazarus and he called out, Oh, Lazarus, come forth? Nancy, I think on that day he comes, he's going to call us, Nancy, come on forth. Janie, come on forth. I, th- I think he's going to call us by name. You see, the question is, is your name going to be called? You know what somebody tell, so many people tell me? And probably the majority of the people I talk to and I ask them that question, I hope so. I have heard, I have heard that so many, I hope so. You better not hope so. You need to know so. As a matter of fact, the Word of God says, these things have I written that you might know that you have eternal life. If, if there's one thing that I want, if there's the only thing I was certain of in all the world, I want, I'd like to be certain of my salvation. So that one day when Jesus comes, that he's going to call my name. We sing a song about that. One day Jesus will call my name. Man, that's good. Is your name going to be called? Because he's coming back for his own and for his own alone. As a matter of fact, I think it's very interesting that when he judges the nations in Matthew 25 and he sits upon his throne, you know how he describes it? This is actually Matthew 24. I want to separate them as the sheep and the goats. Basically, it says, for those who've received me, I'm going to put on my right side, and those who have rejected me, I'll put on my left side. That's pretty plain. There's no, there's no middle ground. 
And so today, as, 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 we, as, we, we, as we close this service out, I challenge you with these thoughts. Jesus is coming again, and you better be ready. And I ask you, are you ready? And I challenge you today, if you can't say, if you're living in that world that says, I hope so, that means that you really don't know so. And I ask you today to commit yourself to Jesus Christ. He came, he died for your sins. He was buried, he arose again on the third day. And he's coming again one day. And they say, Pastor, how can I know so? Well, as, as we search scriptures, we, we realize that this is really a heart matter. It's not being a part of the church. It's not being baptized 13 times. It's not doing 14 Hail Marys. It's just knowing within your heart, how do you do that? You talk to Jesus in a very personal way. And you need to admit to him that, Lord, I need you. I'm a sinner. And I recognize it's my sins that separates me from you. You need to talk to him. And you need to, you need to say, Lord, I'm in need of a Savior. I can't save myself. The Lord, I believe that it was you that died for my sins, you that was buried, and you were given that rose the third day. Lord, I believe it's you that's coming again one day. And I want to be a part of that number. And I commit my life to you today. And how do you do that? You make him Lord of your life. You say, he's going to come again as king. And the question is, have you already made him king? And you need to receive him as the Lord of your life. No Lord, no Savior. And so I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads right now. <laughs> I don't need to put words in your mouth. But I do want to remind you, Jesus is coming again. And you need to be ready. And if I were to ask you that question right now, if Jesus comes again, would, you be, would he call your name? If, if, if your answer to me would say, Pastor, I hope it would be, you need to deal with that right now. And, and if maybe he's stirring your heart right now, and maybe there's some fear within your heart, I don't apologize for that. It's the fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom, the Bible says. And you need to cry out and say, God, I need you. I want, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. The Bible says today is the day of your salvation. Don't put it off any longer. Because we don't know. He's going to come as a thief in the night. And you need to cry out to him right now and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. And I need you. And Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to be in your number. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And friend, you don't need to be ashamed of that. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God and the salvation for the Jew first, even to the, even to the Greek. Has the Holy Spirit spoken to your heart? I'm just going to ask our, our ladies as they lead us in this time of invitation. If God has spoken to your heart and, and you, you want someone to pray with you and you want certainty of, 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 of 
maybe the prayer, I'm going to ask you, to, I'm just going to ask you to come from where you are. So that you know that you can be called in that number. Let someone help instruct you and walk with you. Now, now again, salvation is a personal thing. But it's not something you keep to yourself. You need to let others know. And maybe today you're a believer. And you know that you're part of that number. And you just want to come. And maybe God's convicted you of your sins today. Or maybe you just want to come rejoice about that glorious day that's awaiting. You may just want to come and rejoice in Him. Maybe you're here today and you've got a friend sitting right there next to you that, that you know that's been struggling on this, uh, on this decision. You may want to, you just maybe want to push that, you know, put your arm around that person and say, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll be with you, I'll walk with you so that you can talk to someone. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Folks, the altar's open as we stand, as we sing.